codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 312 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Thursday, April 6th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, April 10th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Gee, a glitch jug is a faulty oath. All right, let's jump right in. We got a lot to cover. Tony, tell us what we've got. This week, we are trekking out some big Discovery casting news and everything Chris Pine knows about the next Star Trek film. Hint, it's not much. In Star Trek Online news, we're looking at the latest featured episode at PC, along with some new content due to launch with Season 13, Escalation, at the end of April. We're also talking about the latest gameplay footage from Star Trek Bridge Crew VR, now with Added Enterprise. Later, Jake and Cookie are here with more must-have merchandise from the Galactic Gift Shop on the Promenade. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, you know we love to keep the conversation going, so reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. Or you can send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters who keep this show going from week to week. Because of you, the lights stay on, the servers stay running, we can keep the tribbles out of Cargo Bay 4. But seriously, we are so grateful that you guys like the show, that you listen to us every week, and that you contribute your hard-earned money to help us keep doing what we love, which is bringing the best Star Trek news to you. And of course, if any of you are not yet Patreon supporters, we would really appreciate it if you would consider pledging from just a dollar a month. There are some fun exclusive perks in there for supporters as well. To find out more and add your support, head on over to patreon.com forward slash priority one and just before we start the show we'd like to mention again we're always looking for members of the priority one listener community to join the team and help contribute to our little corner of the galaxy we're currently looking for writers for our blog or for audio editors if you think you might be interested shoot an email to incoming at priority one podcast.com now let's check out the latest news from the star trek multiverse i don't know then let's check it out First up in movie news, Chris Pine has absolutely no idea what's going on with Star Trek. During an interview with MTV News about his upcoming DC film Wonder Woman, Pine was asked if he's heard anything about Star Trek. His answer, no. And that he tends to be, quote, the last to know, end quote. But we've got Discovery news, Kenna. That's right. Another big casting announcement has been made this week. Rain Wilson, best known for his role as Dwight on the comedy series The Office, has been cast in the role of Harry Mudd. That's right. Harry Mudd of the original series will be playing his part in this story. Yeah, this is exactly the sort of stuff I was talking about when I said in earlier episodes. I don't want rehashes of all the old characters. Harry Mudd was a great villain slash comic relief slash whatever in the 60s in the 60s 
and that he has a time and a place and that was then and today is the 21st century and Kenna needs to talk now because he's gonna tell me I'm wrong for whatever I, reason di- no no you're you are halfway right Harry Mudd okay is kind of a fun like he's a kind of a fun character in the original series there are a lot of problems with the Harry Mudd character. First of all, the first time we see him, he's a human trafficker. So, I don't I don't know where okay, that kind of like gets off as a little bit quirky and er uh, like a little bit of a throwback when we're looking now at the original series having been produced in the 60s. Isn't that what I just said? Yeah, but nowadays, like, what's he gonna? Are we gonna find out the origin story of how he became a human trafficker, or are we going to be like, oh, ha, ha, he's this quirky guy, and forget about the fact that we know in the future he's a human trafficker? Like, I, I don't, I, I kind of, I like Rain Wilson. I think, I think that it could be like a quirky, kind of funny, light-hearted kind of thing going on. I'm, I'm. You didn't have to be Harry Mudd, though. Ha- uh, that's Harry Mudd is problematic for point. me. You don't need to be Harry Mudd. Yeah. You could be a different guy. Yeah. So speaking of discovery, what is probably the most surprising announcement in the history of this pre-production is that the lead to the new story has finally been announced. Hashtag that was totally sarcasm. CBS finally made an official announcement that Sonequa Martin-Green is, in fact, joining the cast as First Officer Michael Burnham. Now, we're going to get spoilery here, Captains. Well, it's going to be more spoilery if you are a fan of The Walking Dead and are living under a rock and haven't watched the season finale for Season 7. So the announcement came a day after the season finale of AMC's The Walking Dead, in which her character, Sasha, sacrifices herself for the greater good. Now, I'm a little surprised. No, who am I kidding? I'm not surprised. I mean, they, somebody somewhere in a suit said, we're going to have to hold the announcement, of the official announcement, until she's done on The Walking Dead. We don't want to ruin it for people, fans of The Walking Dead. So that's what they did. They waited until she officially died on The Walking Dead, to make an official announcement that she is now the lead for Star Trek Discovery. Anywho. Like months after it was uh, Right, all over like everything. months yeah. after everybody knew. Exactly. Anywho, Martin Green has been doing the interview circuit now that the Walking Dead fans are mourning her death and sh- people have questions. People are giving her farewell. People will miss her, of course. And inevitably, Star Trek is, of course, coming up in those discussions. The most we've heard about Star Trek from her perspective came from an interview with TVLine.com in which she explains, quote, This iteration of Star Trek is going to have a different take than the others in the Star Trek canon. It's going to be bigger, rawer, and grittier. And the story is going to build on itself. It's going to be a tremendous journey, end quote. Yeah, so I object to the use of the word Rawr. <laughs> that was the only thing that really bugged me about this Rawr. whole the, the, Rawr. about this whole um, interview circuit. I, okay, well, and in all seriousness, um, I don't want it to be rawer and grittier. I, I've said it before. I'm not like I don't think it's big or clever when you're sort of rebooting or refreshing a series to make it like super dark and gritty and all that. It's like no. But Battlestar Galactica made it awesome. 
dude, life sucks at the minute. Like, uh, yeah, I want, I want a bit of entertainment. So I don't mind. I wouldn't be so worried if it was. It's going to be more realistic, more honest portrayals of of conflict and resolution, or you know something like that. But to say it's going to be raw and grittier is like, oh, really? I don't. I don't like my Star Trek gritty. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I'm okay. Like Tony said, Battlestar Galactica did it well. I was kind of moaning and sarcastic about that. Oh, but the Expanse seems to be gaining some pretty solid traction now and I know that's very uh, I've started watching it it hasn't grabbed me it doesn't grab me I've tried it like three times already I've tried the I've tried watching the first episode three times and I can't I just won't I can't move on to the next it, well, it might help that I've read the novels maybe that's why maybe that's why I have a different look at it so I mean you can still portray the federation but also really explore the human condition at its deepest and darkest, which we very rarely got to see, except in some episodes of Deep Space Nine. Well, now hold on. I think they've already cast the Starfleet Admiral. So clearly we know that there's going to be shenanigans and no good and tomfoolery uh, on the human side because we've got an admiral. <laughs> yeah, we know character. there's at least one we admiral. We know there's at least one admiral. So there's going to be, you know, someone's going to try to have a bioweapon or shoot Klingons out of torpedoes out of the side of a spaceship or you know, beam someone to Kronos from halfway across the galaxy or something. Some kind of shenanigans is going to happen on the human side. We know this. Maybe that's where the grit and the rawness comes from. That's, you know, and then plus there's the Harry Mud thing. Maybe the Admiral and Harry are best pals. Maybe Harry is an Admiral. We don't know. I mean, but but I think that they're, again, this goes back to that whole pre-production thing. Announcing Harry Mud, you know, Getting her off, getting Sonequa Martin Green off the leash and into the press world, and saying it's all raw and gritty, kind of like how The Walking Dead is raw and gritty, and there's blood everywhere, and people get hit with bats over the head and stuff. I mean, you know, that's the kind of Star Trek we're doing. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's it, it just seems to me that I mean, all of this is being done for the sake of marketing, not for the sake of warming up a Star Trek audience. I mean, they know they've got the Star Trek geeks. They're going to have their six bucks a month from CBS All Access, whatever. What they're trying to do is they're trying Ten to bring... bucks. Well, if you want it ad-free. But, you know, if, if they're going to... They're trying to bring the Walking Dead crowd in. And they're trying to bring the Office crowd in. And they're trying to bring the Harry Potter crowd in. That's what they're trying to do. Well, no, you're right, and I'm, I'm actually completely shocked that neither of you used my line back on me, that they're not, they're not producing Star Trek for the fans. They're producing Star Trek for a new audience. They're not trying to satisfy us. They're trying to satisfy the modern television audience. So, yeah, yeah. Fine. fine, fine, fine. I'll watch it anyway, which I guess is the whole point that you were just making. We'll do it anyway. <laughs> I got the mug a whole bit. So speaking of... You know, you were talking a little bit about pre-production. I, you know, probably one of the most interesting things about her casting is how it fits in this production timeline. So she knew that she was going to die on The Walking Dead way before she was cast on Star Trek. How do we know this? Because she was interviewed by The Hollywood Reporter. And one of the questions was about how she reacted when she found out about Sasha's death on The Walking Dead. And Martin Green explained, quote... Star Trek was nowhere in the picture. Star Trek came way later, after this was all said and done. We were shooting the finale before the opportunity for Star Trek came about. So that's interesting, because 
The Walking Dead season finale didn't finish shooting until November 18th. She was still on set at The Walking Dead November 17th. Now, I'm sure her conversation with Scott Gimble, the producer of The Walking Dead, and her death came a few months prior to that. So as a working actor, you have to start thinking, okay, what's my next gig going to be? What am I going to pay the bills with? So I'm sure she went, you know, she probably had done the audition for Star Trek. I would guess maybe sometime in September. Then she doesn't find out about it until November or, you know, that's when she finds out that she actually got cast. Then Fuller leaves in October. In September, Star Trek Discovery gets pushed to May. In November, The Walking Dead ends filming, like I mentioned. In December, her casting is rumored. It's not even officially announced by CBS. And then come January, the show's delayed indefinitely. Now, in the wintertime, they were building the sets. There's a, uh, we have a link in the show notes that confirms that, well, the rumor is that that set construction had begun over the, over the fall and at least definitely the winter months. So shooting actually began in January. It wasn't like, oh, shooting and construction at the same time. I know I've said this before, and we, I, you know, I talked about it in the Priority One Hangout beforehand as I was watching the season finale of Walking Dead, is that when you look at this timeline, when you kind of see how the production has been going for Discovery, and if you have any inkling about what it is to be a working actor, any inkling about television production, and you don't even have to be an expert, you don't even have to work in it. You just kind of have to follow, just go, you know, go on Facebook, watch, you know, and piece, piece it all together. Everything from CBS regarding Discovery has been reactionary. Everything from the beginning, even the show's creation has been reactionary. I mean, you go far, as far back as to the motion picture, the motion picture was a reaction to Star Wars, you know? So it just, you know, Star Trek always gets so close to, 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 to breaking the mold or setting the mold, right? Like Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine was, was, was pushing it in terms of serialized drama, especially in sci-fi. Uh, TNG syndication. I mean, that's not a big storytelling thing, but it's still something, I guess. Star Trek could break the mold, you know, and be something amazing. But but it always feels like they're just three or four or five steps behind the game and everything is just reactionary. And that's what concerns me about the production and the final production that we're going to see on on Discovery. UPN was trying to be Fox. I mean, that, that's what they were trying to do with Voyager, and, and, and that, didn't, that didn't work out so great. And, and this one, they're trying to launch all access with this, and we'll see how it goes. But I think, but all this stuff is them trying to learn how to be Netflix. And so they're, they're this is, this is the, this is, this is the greasy underbelly, this is how the sausage is getting made, of them trying to become Netflix. So, We'll see. But you know what? Actually, to add to that point and to add to Kenneth's point that they're making this not for the Star Trek fan, but for the Harry Potter fan, the the Office fans, the Walking Dead fans. I don't know how many of those people are actually going to end up spending an extra ten, six to ten dollars a month to watch a show. 
that's not on Hulu. Or They're going to wait. They're going to wait and to see how the Star Trek community receives it. They're going to wait. Ooh. Yeah, they will. Don't say that, yeah, Tony. Don't say that, Tony, because that's what happened to Firefly. Firefly is such a fantastic yeah. show. Oh, yeah. You're not going to find any arguments for me, but that... After it died. Well, but... Firefly had Firefly had a Fox problem, and Fox problem had a scheduling problem, and there there was there were some TV mechanical reasons why Firefly didn't find its niche. But but again, that sort of set Joss Whedon up to do better things later. Unfortunately, with this Star Trek thing, the the franchise is already kind of I'm, I'm not going to say circling the drain because we've got the JJ movies and that's very exciting and all kind of stuff, but. It needs to come home to TV, and it needs to come home nicely. And what they're trying to do is they're square pegging and round holing some of this stuff, and they're trying to use Star Trek as a vehicle to learn and to launch their network. They're not trying to make a Star Trek show for the sake of making a Star Trek show. They're doing it to launch a network, and they're trying to bring in all these people. And it dr- and then you have a show like The Expanse that's doing really well now. It's actually doing. Re- it had a slow beginning. It really did have a slow beginning. But has now has a pretty solid following, and then you have people at CBS saying sci-fi can't be done on television. I mean, it's just mind mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely mind blowing. The Expanse, I think, the Expanse is is a very well done piece of TV. They let the actors off the leash a little bit. They have a story that is rawer and grittier than some other stuff. And so it 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 ha, it's it's it, you take some risks on TV and sometimes they pay off. I think the Expanse is is, is an example of that. Star Trek, you have a lot of expectations to manage, and I think what they're doing is they're setting too many expectations with too many different subgroups, and you're never going to please all of them. And I think that this it was better it was almost better when they weren't saying anything. All they have to do, all they have to do, I'm oversimplifying. <laughs> Is they have to make a good show. If they if they don't try to make it too fancy and they don't try to pull the little like I don't even get why this is a press release. <sighs> now everyone already knows, like why did they do that? Why? It's like John Harrison all over again, like why? Don't try to be too fancy. Make a show, make it solid, we'll like it. Are we gonna talk about the eight hundred pound gorilla? <laughs> <laughs> Are we going there? We could talk about... Go on, what's the 800-pound gorilla? Why is, she, why is she named Michael? Oh. Hey, 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 wait. There's, think, a, there's a guy named you know, Michael you know here. Why, you know why she's named Michael? Is because people will stand around and go, why is she called exactly. Michael? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the, the only reason. It is the, the ultimate illustration of the point we've been making for the last 27 minutes. And I'm sure, and I'm sure there's going to be a reason that will be explained in but at the old you know what there are people all over twitter all over facebook going but why is she called michael is she going to be transgender is it uh, uh, no it's 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 uh, they've done it to be awkward so that people oh, can man. talk about it oh man a woman with a typically male name that's so raw and gritty oh <laughs> This is such an awesome show. No, it's 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 how she tells the 23rd century telemarketers apart. Hello, can I speak to Michael? It's Mikhail. Click. I mean, you know, that's, that's you know, I mean, that's, I mean, that's how the, that goes. What 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 annoys me is that it was announced like it was supposed to be some big thing, but it ultimately really everybody's it was, going. It was, but like, it it really no, wasn't but, though. Uh, CBS. But, I mean, if seems, you go to StarTrek.com and you read the the release, it's very and eh, the name is Michael. Dunham. It just it just feels 
arbitrarily awkward. It does. It does feel arbitrary. Feels arbitrarily. Just, it feels arbitrary right now, and hopefully, oh, I mean, I, you never know. I mean, it could be a different. Maybe she's alien, and it's you know, Mikaela. Do, you know, do you know what? It annoys me. It annoys me that we're even talking about it right now. Like I wanted to even not we're talk not about ta- it, but we, you can't we, not on, talk about we're, it. We're not. We're talking. We're talking about it in the context of. <laughs> This is clearly a strategy to get people to chat about Star Trek. They're bringing in the Harry Potter people, they're bringing in the Office people, they're bringing in the Walking Dead people, and they're bringing in people who feed on controversy. They're yes, bringing in all this stuff. and it's working, and it's winding me up. And it's working, and it's winding <laughs> you up, and now you have to know, now you're curious. Now, the next time you see a headline, next time you see a headline, interview with Sadiqa Martin-Green about her character's development. You'll be like, oh, this is where we find out what Michael's about. And then, no, it turns out it's about her shoe size. I'm like, ugh. So, yeah, this is this is the marketing machine. Well, that's all we have to trek out this week. Now, let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome again to Star Trek Online News. This week, it's a bit of a potpourri. Let's kick it off with news of the latest featured episode to hit PC. The featured episode Survivor went live on PC this week. Now, it's not clear what story arc this is part of, so we'll have to wait and see. It doesn't particularly follow on from any one current arc, although players will recognize Daniels from previous episodes. And, of course, this episode also marks the return of Sela last seen escaping from the Federation at the end of the Iconian War. This is a story-heavy episode, with a return of the style of Echoes of Light, working a little bit of a puzzle feel into the mission. There is a lot of reference to canon lore in here as well, and you might even spot a nod to Les Miserables. This is definitely an episode meant to tug at your heartstrings, Captains. Once again, give Denise Crosby a chance to flex her voice acting muscles. As for rewards, the featured episode runs for three weeks, and in addition to the standard choice of spec point or upgrade, you can also earn the Romulan Operative Combat Armor, Romulan Operative Personal Shield, and Polaron Covert Ops Compression Pistol. All of these ground gear pieces are focused on stealth performance, as you'd expect from their Romulan Operative title. And there are extra bonuses when used as a set of two or set of three. Survivor runs as a featured episode on PC now through April 27th, just about the time Season 13, Escalation, is expected to launch. (laughs) I love this episode. At first, I'll be honest with you, at first, I was not so sure. So we're going to try and keep it to no spoilers. We're going to try and keep it to no spoilers. Because I haven't had a Yeah, or for anyone who hasn't listening, it's a possibility that there might be a slight risk of spoilers but we're going to try and keep it to a minimum so I can't talk about the allow... Lee Miz reference that you're talking about because and I mean because you haven't seen it I told you you had to play it immediately I told you I've been doing rehearsals all week I haven't even been home to listen to me <laughs> uh, no but I you know at, at the beginning I kind of thought oh well that happened a little fast but actually, it develops really, really nicly. The ground map is beautiful. Very, it feels very Tomb Raider to me. I thought the very same thing. I was like, this is this is reminding me of something. I was like, yeah, I think it's a little bit Tomb Raider. It's, so it's, it's a weird bit Tomb Raider, yeah. And, you know, they've, they've tried to do this thing again where there was there's a little bit of a puzzle element to it. It actually felt to me... It was similar to Echoes of Light where you had to kind of solve that puzzle to get into the building. 
right? Um, it, for me, it ended up being quite linear, so I don't know if I'm just that good or whether it just actually is that linear. And, you know, because this game engine is not really designed for uh, a sort of a puzzles and multiple outcomes and things like that. But it had that feel. It had that sort of adventure feel. Lots of twists and turns. And, I, you know, by the end, I really, really felt for all the characters. And there were a couple of punch, like, punch-you-in-the-gut moments. And once again, you know... It, I started off this episode kind of feeling like the story episodes have been a bit meh since really since the end of the Iconian War. And this one was a very, very I good can, one. It's a yeah, standalone. I can, since, it's, since we're talking about past episodes, now I can jump in. Yes. It's like they've had to like move some things along and introduce some, some factions and some characters. And they've had to accomplish some tasks. Yes. There's a lot of... Checkbox going, you know, checkboxes going off on the last few featured episodes. So I'm I'm kind of glad to hear that we've got a like a you know a a, a, a a more slower character sort of driven piece this time. I think that's been that's been lacking the last two or three. Well, we all know that Sela is involved. It was announced in one of the the blogs um, on on the Star Trek Online uh, news website. I kind of rolled my eyes and I was like, because I was actually having this conversation a couple of days ago that so Sela always gets away at the end. And I'm assuming that's because uh, Denise Crosby has got such a great relationship with um, her team power, at but, Cryptic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that it's like, it's great because she always turns in a really good wait, performance. Wait, 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 so wait, 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 wait hold, on, sure. hold on, hold on, hold on. I got the best joke ever. I bet he calls her Betty. And Betty, when he calls him, she calls him Al. My point is, Sela always seems to turn up when we need a little bit of, of you know, of, of good action with a solid voice actor, a, a star to pull us back into the story. And it was funny that I was only having this conversation about a week ago and then the story blog turned up and I was like, oh, look, Sela's back. But having said that, I think it's done in a really interesting way and a way that is definitely, definitely going to have payoff for anybody who logs in and plays that episode so go and do it it's highly recommended i'll tell you one thing that uh, I, I thought was a little strange we're only what two three weeks away from season 13 they've never put out a featured episode this close to a season release because we're getting another featured episode for the season well and and you know i mentioned this in, you know when i was writing this script that it's not really clear what arc this is part of because it doesn't really follow on from the last featured episode of Signs and Portents. That's all about the Zen Cafe and the big weapon. This is very much standalone. So I'm trying to figure out whether it's going to lead into season 13 or whether it's going to be a standalone or just a, a complement to the other story arcs that are going on. I couldn't quite figure out where, where it was meant to fit well all right i'm not sure where it's meant to fit but i think the very end is definitely leading to something because it references a very a thing no 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 no, 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 it's, no, no. it's not spoiler i'm not going to give a, <laughs> spoiler. a spoiler okay it's referencing a very specific character mm-hmm. that that i again i think will have payoffs later down the road and I have very high hopes for it 
and totes no spoilers, but go and play it. And maybe next week we can get into it a little bit more when everyone's had a week or so to go through it. As we were saying, also expected to launch with Season 13 Escalation is the new player potential system. This new system of player matching is a step change in how players are put up against other players in PvP matches. Until now, Star Trek Online didn't assess players' skill before they were matched up, so scenarios could easily be one-sided, to say the least. In the player potential system, the game attempts to match players with similar skills together, and they say, quote, This results in a fairer and more enjoyable experience overall for classic PvP and the new competitive PvE, end quote. We haven't had an awful lot of detail on how the systems works, and I don't think we're going to get it, but here are a few takeaways. Player potential is initially based on equipment and specializations and is adjusted as you play. Player potential of players or teams is used to match you with someone similar for PvP or competitive PvE. And after the initial assessment, your player potential can be affected in a few ways. We'll name four. If you win a lot or lose a lot in quick succession, it will change to quickly compensate for that. If you win against someone you should have lost against, it will go up. If you lose against someone you should have won against, it will go down. And with the current wording, it stays the same if you win you're expected to or lose when you're expected to. One other important thing to mention is that the player potential system will not be transparent. In other words, it won't be obvious to players exactly how it's calculated. They also say that, quote, we will continue to monitor it to assure it is as accurate as possible and providing the quality of life improvements we seek, end quote. The system can also be reset if need be. So this to me is actually seems to be heading in the right direction. I'm glad to see that they're paying attention to player matching. This was something that we've talked about before and uh, you know fingers crossed we'll actually bring a little bit of of pvp back into the game because i know a lot of players have been wanting that for a while and and all of the things that they said in this announcement make sense and i'm a big fan of the fact that they've said it's not going to be obvious how it's calculated and they reserve the right to change it which because that's exactly what i wanted so i've got high hopes yeah it doesn't make any sense to metagame that from a customer standpoint. I'm wondering if this is going to bring a new rebirth to PvP because I don't see any rewards being mentioned anywhere. What's the incentive? Well, I, I'm assuming they're going to keep the same incentives. Do you, are you saying those incentives are already inadequate? or or There is basically no incentives to play PvP anymore. There is one mission that will get you 1,440 dilithium after playing three matches, and then it goes on a 20-hour cooldown. Oh. Do the other PvP matches not just reward you with Vendor Trash, Dilithium, EC? No, you don't get Vendor Trash from PvP. You only get Vendor Trash from PvE. So that's what I'm wondering. What is, if any, incentive for people to do this? You know, take part in this new player potential system. Why, why would they do it? Is it just bragging rights to get a certain score? Well, I mean, that'll bring us on to what we're going to talk about in a minute, which is this new War Games, and it's possible that what they're trying to do is get us uh, to move away from the traditional PvP, where it's more of an open map and you're fighting against each other, to something that is the War Games scenarios, um, in which case there will be rewards for the team that wins versus the team that loses. So maybe that's the answer to, to, to the question you had. So, yes, yeah, speaking of which, 
Uh, keeping with the season 13 theme and talking about war games, the first scenario to launch with the new mechanic has been announced. Core Assault is a space-based five-on-five game with a combination of battles against the AI and also against the other team. Now, quoting the Star Trek Online blog post, Core Assault is a convergence-class war game scenario where two flights of captains will race in starships through a station in the Adelphus system. The station has been set up with hollow emitters to provide challenges for each team. Both teams must reach the station core, which contains two core regulators, one for each team. Each team must destroy the other team's regulator while defending their own. The first team to do so will be victorious, end quote. Now, this sounds to me a little like some old-school capture the flag or maybe paintball, and it promisingly sounds like the kind of PvP scenario that doesn't depend so much on your build. I personally got high hopes for this new part of the game, and we're all looking forward to it launching with Season 13 at the end of April. Did they mention anything about this going on at Tribble? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Winters? Um, I think I did see a tweet, possibly today. Or yesterday. If it's uh, not on yet, it will be very soon because that's the kind of thing they really want to test before it actually goes live. So look out for that soon. Well, I I can I can see I can see where having a capture the flag scenario might be a good way to like flag football this thing. I mean, control effects and and stuff that's sort of um, player team agnostic. You know, things that affect both enemies and allies. You know, it doesn't cause direct damage. It maybe moves people around. But but yeah, hopefully they've got... The player potential system is going to be key on this because if one guy spams gravity well all over the place and keeps one team from ever reaching uh, the, the thing, it's, that's going to get old real fast. Um, so hopefully they've got... I, I, we'll, have to, we'll, have to wait, we'll have to wait to see the design, but there, I, this is probably pretty thorny to put together, so I'm interested in seeing exactly how they overcame those challenges. One thing that won't be making it into the release of Season 13 is any kind of nighttime shenanigans in either Risa or Bajor. Presumably, it's been the case for a while, but this week is the week that it was brought to our attention. That the new lighting system, which is now just the lighting system, does not work with a day-night cycle on ground maps. Translation, both Risa and Bajor now exist in the daytime only. Wait, what about what about Starfleet Academy? There was no day and night cycle there. No, no, it's only Risa and Bajor. It's only those two ground maps. A thread on this issue popped up in the Star Trek Online subreddit this week and attracted a few comments from environment artist Nick Duguid. He explains, quote, The basics is that the new lighting system bakes in some of the lighting to the vertices of the geometry. That baked-in lighting can't change. So we could have the day-night cycle, and the sky would change, and the direct lighting would change. But the baked-in lighting would make the models look like they're being lit by the sun from above, even in the middle of the night, end quote. As for whether this effect was considered when they were deciding to upgrade the lighting system, he said, quote, It's not that it was unconsidered, it's that it was vastly outweighed, end quote. So here's to an end of an era. No more fireworks, no more beach bonfires. And how will we ever find Pavel?
So this news, well, it's not news, it's old news. This upset me an inordinate amount. I am actually slightly concerned about, you know, there's accolades and all sorts of things on Ryza that go around the day-night cycle. I hope that that's been taken into account. I'm sure it has. Mostly, I just kind of think it's sad. And it's not just Ryza either, it's Bajor as well. Both of those maps were, it was pretty cool to have the day-night thing going on, but it sounds like with the, with the current lighting system, it's not feasible to change, and it's kind of sad. My immersion! My immersion! Although, actually, the immersion isn't that bad because they were the only two maps in the entire game, so there really wasn't day-night anywhere else, but... They were the only two maps in the entire game, and you only saw them... Basically, it only made a difference during the transition. Well, hold on a second, though. Is that going to affect missions moving forward? that require a night or no no, no, no. no because there's they, they can have theoretically they could have a rise a day map and a rise a night map they just you you wouldn't be you wouldn't have the current thing where you're running around and all of a sudden hey it's nighttime we can go see the fireworks and um you can watch the sunset you know all the stuff that we did do you remember last year well yeah the 2016 swimsuit calendar that was fun a lot of the screenshots that people took you know were at sunset or or at in the day or at night or whatever uh, you won't you just won't get that variation anymore and it's a little sad especially for something that is as sort of evocative of emotion as Ryza is it's going to be a little disappointing in the summer event it takes away from the idea of a persistent world right you know it, it's it, you know Elijah says my immersion yeah it, okay haha but it does it's it, that was one of the things that was sort of cool about those two places that they they felt more real because they did cycle like that but 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 again, I can see where where Nick was saying. Look, it's vastly outweighed. The, the new lighting system is in every map. It's on every character. It's on every item. It's on every uh, you know asset that's in there. It's just that just night and day. Haha. Ha. There's a, you know, the difference between the two of those things. You know, vastly outweighed. And Star Trek Online kept up its tradition this year of a little April foolishness for April Fool's Day. If you happen to log in on April the 1st, you'll have noticed the artisanal sonification system gently sliding into your ear holes. There's a really great promo video for it. We'll link it in the show notes. And a few players also managed to capture some gameplay, so you can go back and have a listen for yourself on YouTube. We'll put a couple of links for those as well in the show notes. Hey, Elijah, you know what this reminded me of, actually, was... um was the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You know, the um, the doors that open and close? Yeah. Please to be of service. It was that. <laughs> did, did, you, did you get to see any of it? In yeah. The, yeah, it was so cute. And the, um, the beam me up, the beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> it was really funny. You've got to go and listen to it. If you didn't get a chance to, got to go and listen to it because it's hilarious. I also do like not only the acronym that they've chosen, but uh, clearly they're fans of Guard Frequency as well because ah, they yes. have an artisanal... You know, the, the, the character that I've totally ripped off from Kameo Nanjiani, the, 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 the customer service guy from uh, Portlandia, totally ripped that guy off. But he's very, very concerned about having a quality, genuine, artisanal experience for your ear holes and for everything else. So I'm glad to see that they're <laughs> fans of the other show that we produce here at, at Priority One Productions. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You, you sound a little bit like King Julian from Madagascar. Yes. <laughs> oh, is it? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm trying to do Kamel Nanjiani from... Uh, have you ever seen Portlandia where he does the, court, the the customer service guy? He's the cell phone guy. He's He runs the jean store. He's the uh, electrical company guy on the phone. I mean, he, he he's, he's the same character. They just keep moving him around. Uh, so, 
but yeah. Before we move on, it's time for my top tip for this week. This week I'm going to talk to you about bridge officer ground abilities and the control you as a player have over them. Something many players don't realize is that you can actually fire off your bridge officer ground abilities when you want, assuming that they are not on cooldown. Normally, while on a ground combat map, a list of your bridge officers is displayed along the left-hand side of your screen. Just to the right of the shield strength and the health status for each bridge officer is a list of all four ground abilities that the bridge officer can use. You can actually click on any of these to instruct your bridge officer to use that specific ability, again assuming that they are not on cooldown. You can also add these abilities to your system tray. Again, this can be done on any ground combat map. All you have to do is right click and hold, then drag the ability onto your system tray. Setting this up can be extremely helpful and possibly get you out of a tight spot if you're running low on health for example. For more information, we'll leave a link in the show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO312. I actually did not know that you could drag it to your system bar. I yes. didn't either, actually. I so. did not know that. If uh, you don't have space, you can just click on them on yeah, where they're listed on the left-hand side. Or if you want, you can actually drag the abilities down to your system tray. Well, now moving on to some other gaming news... The VR news website, UploadVR.com, sent a team of its contributors to visit Ubisoft's San Francisco office for a hands-on with the upcoming Star Trek Bridge Crew VR. Now, we've seen hands-on demos like this one before, but in this one, they got to test some of the gameplay using the original series-era Enterprise Bridge. Now, the gameplay isn't much different from what we've seen before, although there's more detail to see on the panels, and you get a better demonstration of them interacting with Uh, the panels than we've seen in previous videos. But watching the team work together to pilot the original series Enterprise, now that's a whole different experience. The teams at Ubisoft and Red Storm Entertainment have done an amazing job recreating the bridge set, and they've even gone through and made logical sense of all of those brightly colored buttons on the panels. You'll definitely want to see this video for yourself, and of course, we'll leave a link in the show notes. Have you guys had a chance to have a look at this? Yes, as a matter of fact. Well, I know you have, Elijah. Right. And I've also <laughs> played it, which is really fun. I, but not with the original not series Enterprise. with the original Enterprise. series bridge. Uh, now, if it is as impressive and detailed as what the Kelvin Universe Aegis ship was, this is really exciting. If you look at the video, your virtual hand can actually push the gumdrop buttons. You know, like it's it's really interactive. It's really detailed. It's really fun. They've got the sound effects and everything. You know, again, it's this is this is exciting. I mean, this is really awesome, right? This would be so much fun. Except it costs six hundred dollars to just play. <laughs> so little tiny details. Plus know. the cost of the game. Plus the cost of the plus game. Plus you might have to upgrade your processor, your graphics card to be able to handle 600 it. Six hundred is yeah, a that's conservative. Like, the base, right? <laughs> yeah. like, no, no, then no, then add the set. Then you got to get the VR set on top of that. Yeah, I mean the, the, that VR set six or eight hundred right there. So as much as as much as this game is exciting to me as a Trekkie, it's just not something on my radar. That's not I you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cough up the money on if I were to get a headset it'd be the Vive or the Oculus Rift, right? I'm not I, I'm not interested in a PS4, and I'm pretty sure that Microsoft Scorpion Project is going to be augmented reality and not virtual reality. Microsoft is investing way too much resources in development in an augmented reality for them to try to 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 cater to this 
little bubble, this little explosion of what virtual reality is. Let's go with that for a second, though. Let's go with that for, a second, for just a quick second, though, because this, this, this is something I noticed in the Star Trek, talking specifically about the Enterprise bridge, the, the original series bridge. They made a unique, what I'm going to call design choice, by putting little tags up in the air, the little, the, little, the little tags up in the air to tell you what the buttons were. Now, just imagine having an augmented reality device sitting on a bridge set, like, like the one James Colley has, the one they have in Star Trek Continues, and those little tags popped up in the air for you. I mean, that is the sort of thing where I see people like like entertainment complexes and you know quote arcades. You know, like, hey, let's bring let's go '80s flashback here. People investing in that sort of environment, putting on a pair of augmented reality goggles that give you cues as to say, you're in this thing you're doing. Here's the button for the elevator. Here's the button for the guns. Here's the button. That's the sort of thing where I think you will see people invest in augmented reality where you can still see the real world rather than putting a thing on your face and bumping into cabinets and stuff. Well, here's here's the thing cuz I mean we've we've talked before on this show about whether Star Trek Bridge Crew VR is going to be, you know, realistically viable etc. The thing that I picked out of this and what I find really really interesting, this is where this proper Star Trek nerd is coming out, right? There's never been a very good explanation of what all the little buttons and doohickeys do on the the original series Enterprise Bridge. And, you know, when, when you guys were talking to Doug Drexler last week about the bridge that he designed and people would come back to him and go, what, what do all these, what does this panel do exactly? And everything was designed with an exact purpose in mind. That's modern. So that's, that's you know, that's... TNG era, that's L cars forward, and um, certainly the the Aegis, Aegis, I don't know how to pronounce it, the Aegis version of Bridge Crew VR, it's very obvious because everything's got a tag, it's very clear what it is. These guys have gone through the trouble of taking the original series set, which is a whole bunch of gumdrop buttons, and they've tagged everything, and they've transformed this set, which was very make-believe, very... The actors would stand in the back and say, well, I think this is probably what they should push to make the shields go up. And now you have a map of, of what all the things do, and it's made sense of that. And that, I think, is incredibly cool and potentially could go into quote-unquote canon going forward, which I think is really, really neat. I... It's just it, it, it's a shame because the, so much has gone into this game that it really deserves to have players play it. It really does. It deserves for us all to put on that headset and play this game together as a team. You know, and I'm not just talking about Priority One, but all of us, you know, listen, fellow listeners of the show, to get in and and have game nights like this where we're just sitting in our living rooms in, on the bridge of the Enterprise. With me captaining, I'm kidding. But you're only a commander. But you're you purposely chose that. Uh, sorry, bud. But w- that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen because I'm not going to cough up the, the the grand and up. You know, the six hundred, seven hundred dollars and up that it's going to cost just to run the game, right? And and it's only going to be this one game. You know, that really is going to be played. You know, it's just it's it's. It's a real shame. It's a real, real shame that 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 we're not going to be able to experience this, right? Mm-hmm. I hope they can find a way to make it commercially viable and to get it into the hands of the people who want to play it. I just don't see how they're going to make a return on investment. 
I mean, we're talking about they're treating this as a as a as a what was it that in the last triple A. Yeah. Yeah, they're treating a, yeah, this as a they're, tre- they're treating game, this yeah. as a triple A game with over forty hours of content. I mean, you gotta you gotta think that they've gotta have invested a, a few million dollars into this already. Uh, I, w- I would add another digit to that. Yes, uh, tens of millions. I'm sure tens of millions have gone into gone into it, and I hope they get their return on investment. But uh, it's it's highly unlikely that the moonshot is. That Star Trek has a lot of people who are tech savvy. They're they tend to be skew older. They tend to skew male, and those are the people that tend to have money to burn. And their their moonshot is these people will adopt the technology to play this game. And I, I, I that is I think that is a huge gamble. I think that's gigantic. I think that I think that if the smart the smarter money would have been. Google Cardboard and figure out a way to use two Wii remotes or a Wii remote and a nunchuck. Okay, so we we, we figure out how to hack that all together and then you play the, this game. That would have been way smarter. Well, captains, that wraps it up for Star Trek Online news. Now, let's head to the promenade with Jake and Cookie. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jake Cobb. And I'm Cookie Cupcakes, and this is the Promenade. Hey, Cookie, that crate looks wicked heavy. Let me take it. No, no, Jake, I'm good. Please, Cookie, I insist. Jake, really, I'm good. You don't think I'm strong enough? No, that's not... Because I'm a bronze medal recipient in the world's push-up contest. Really? What world? Delta Vega. Oh. Look, if you don't let me carry the crate for you, I'll take it as an insult. It's really not a big deal, Jake. Really. Fine, here. Chivalry isn't dead yet, Miss Cupcakes. Thank you, Jake. Oof. This is heavy. Oh, 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 whoa. Ooh, oh my god. Oh my gosh, Jake, are you okay? My back. I think I need a doctor. I'm a doctor. Great! Then let's get to it! Okay, here's some ice. Have fun. Oh! Oh, did it poke you? They're kind of sharp. Delta! That's right, Jake! These are Star Trek communicator pin ice cubes. A beep, 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 beep! Jake, that's not gonna help you. It's made of ice. You know, frozen water. I have this awesome ice cube tray that I made these with. It makes eight communicator pin ice cubes. About the same size as a real communicator pin would be, so it's kind of tiny. So you have to freeze it over and over to really make enough to last, which is what I do. I have a bin in the freezer with a lid, and I store the ice in it, and I just keep freezing the ice cube tray over and over until I fill it up. It doesn't really take too long to freeze depending on your freezer, but I would think if you really like ice, one tray would be enough to fill one tall glass. These cubes are really fun to chew as well for all you iron deficient ice chewers out there because they're so thin. And they definitely look best in a clear glass, especially with clear liquids. But even with opaque liquids, you can still often see the outline of them on the edge of the glass. It looks pretty trektastic. <laughs> but you can also make more than just ice cubes with them. You can make little chocolates, but do not put these in the oven as it's made of silicone, so it could melt. 
Although it is dishwasher safe, so a little heat is okay, like if you're pouring melted chocolate or whatever. Just don't bake cookies in them. And these are too flimsy to push upside down into already baked cookies, like as a cookie cutter, so don't bother with that either. You could also make jello shots. Yes. That would be a fun trek party. Maybe whenever the new show finally comes out. I also think a great idea for these molds would be little soaps. Imagine having little Star Trek soaps in your bathroom. How cute. Or tiny bath bombs. What's a bath bomb? It's these little things you plop into the tub and it fizzes and scents your bath water and Ooh. makes it nice and pretty in the bathtub and makes you smell pretty. Relaxing. Yeah, it's relaxing. That would be a nice gift idea. Or you could stuff Play-Doh in it. The possibilities are endless. Now there are also other variations of the same idea with like ships or the live long and prosper hand sign. But I like this one best. It looks classy in a nice clear glass of Kool-Aid. Or I gotta think of a classier drink. Scotch. I don't drink scotch. Sparkling white grape juice. Very classy. This product can be found on Amazon for about 10 bucks. That's only $1.25 a cube if you only use it once. What a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> you have these, right? Yes, I do. I love them. Yeah. I really do use them. And they, they make me feel good when I use them. I don't know. It's just like one of those quality of life things. Having a communicator pen in your glass while you're drinking. Watch it <laughs> melt slowly. Mm, it's very satisfying. Have you made those chocolates? No, I haven't. Because I've got a great place to eat those chocolates. Where? The Captain Kirk beanbag chair. Let me tell you about it. Kirk had the best captain's chair. That's all there is to it. Sure, other captain's chairs look more comfy, more sleek, more contemporary, but none of them had that that's dad's chair feel to them. I think that you're right. Kirk had one of those chairs that's like, nobody better sit in that chair, only Captain Kirk. Yeah, but when you're in that chair, you're the boss. There's no questions asked. Plus, it had that super cool floppy disconcerty thing. Just awesome. I've often wanted to get a replica of that oh-so-amazing swivel chair, but I'm not handy enough to make one myself, and I don't earn enough energy credits to buy a prop replica. But for a guy like me, there is now an alternative. The Star Trek Kirk's Command Chair Beanbag Cover. The officially licensed beanbag cover is an apt likeness of the sweet, sweet captain's chair Kirk put his rump in during the original series. The black and gray cover has all the proper adornments. Printed buttons to pretend to push, printed switches to pretend to flip, a printed intercom to yell at, and even a printed slot for those aforementioned floppy disks. Booyah! So I could picture you, by the way, pretending to push these buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Red alert, I need more beer. <laughs> the 100% polyester beanbag cover measures in at an impressive 34.5 by 24.5 and 39 inches and requires 500 to 600 liters or 18 to 21 cubic feet of fill. What? Unfortunately, said fill is not included. What? But let's think about those dimensions for one second. That's over three feet tall, Cookie. According to thinkgeek.com, the exclusive seller of this product, the care instructions are simple. Wipe with a clean, damp cloth. So after a few hours of flipping the sticks, playing some console Star Trek Online, and spilling chocolate Starfleet Deltas all over yourself, cleanup will be a breeze. The list price of this glorious bean-filled seat is $89.99 US dollars. <laughs> oh my god. But at the time of this recording, April 4th, it is on sale for 33% off. That brings the price to an affordable $59.99 U.S. dollars. <laughs> but as we've stated before, Phil isn't included. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... 
Why would anybody pay that much for that? And it doesn't even have the filling. How much is the filling? All right, so a quick search on Amazon.com has 100 liters of fill for about 20 bucks US. Okay, how does that fill it up? So if you're filling with 100 liter bags, it'll cost you over 120 US dollars. What? <laughs> there are cheaper options, though. What the? There are. There are cheaper oh, options. God. You can pay almost half okay. that price if you choose to go the bulk route, but... So you just have to buy six SUVs filled <laughs> worth to get a good deal? Well, not quite six, but close. <laughs> what? This is not going well. <laughs> we are unfamiliar with the sites that we did search, so we're not really comfortable listing them. But they are out there, so have a look. Regardless, Cookie, I want this Kirk Captain chair. Bad. So you're going to get one? No. Why not? Well, because I'm a grown man, Cookie. Yeah, but there's a grown man pictured on the website sitting in it. It's, I think it's four grown men that have so much <laughs> money to spend that they don't even care. <laughs> the $6,000 bean bag chair. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, the translation is my wife won't let me buy one. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes sense yep. if she wants to save some money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still, like, in shock about the price of this. So there you have it. Chivalry isn't dead, Jim. Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes, so please be sure to check them out. Have any comments about the segment or anything discussed herein? We'd love to hear them. So let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comment section. And remember, you keep an eye on the stars... We'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's in. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 311's community question was, are you ready to welcome back Star Trek fan films? Which fan films have been produced since the guidelines that have really piqued your interest? From Facebook, James Sillette, all I want is more Star Trek Continues. Yes. From the Star Trek Online forums, Tyler Maxwell says, Star Trek Continues is still doing its thing, so that's cool. Good storytellers will make good stories, guidelines, or otherwise. So I'm not really a big fan of Continues. It's not... Really? Why is that? All right, so... You're not going to talk in a high voice anymore? They are recreating to the T... Mm down to lighting and sound and set what was the 1960s, the original right. series. Misogyny included? Misogyny? Well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that was a joke. I'm kidding. <laughs> but the, but my, my problem is that it's, it, they're playing, they're, they're different actors, some amateur, that are playing these iconic roles, mm. right? That's, that's kind of why I, I, I was able to... Now, the argument is, well, what about J.J.? The Kelvin timeline. Well, you see, I, I can kind of turn a blind eye to that because it is a different timeline, right? It's Technically, they should all look the same. It should be the same actors in theory. Mm-hmm. But it is a reboot, right? So this is... It, it, I can suspend the disbelief there for some reason. I don't know what it is in my head... Actually, that's now that I'm now that I'm talking about it out loud, I'm having a hard time even justifying it in my own mind. No, I get because it because I can very easily sus- suspend the disbelief for the Kelvin timeline and JJ films, but continues. I'm, I have a really hard time suspending disbelief. And then what ends up happening with continues because these actors are donating their time, sometimes they don't get the same person back to play the same character, the same actor, uh, and so then I have to switch again, and, and it doesn't work for me. 
they're great though. Don't get me wrong. I don't want people to walk away from me saying me knocking them. Their production value, their acting, their storytelling is freaking out of this world. I mean, they're amazing. Like, bigly huge good. <laughs> the problem, for me, though, it's hard for me to, like, I have to, I have to force myself to watch it because of the fact yeah. that they are, they are recreating, they are continuing right. let me, the let me story. Give you, let me Continuous. give you a crutch. Let me give you a crutch. Uh, and it took me a couple episodes to figure the crutch out. But this is, this is my crutch. Every episode is not the next episode in the series. It's another sort of reboot. You have to you have to look you have to watch each episode separately because each episode is a separate production. It's like it's like there's it's like a it's almost like if someone were putting putting the Sherlock Holmes stories into play form or to TV form, and there's like a new season every three or four months, and they have to like read restart the production over and over again. You might not get the same guy to play Watson. You may not get the same guy to play Lestrade. The, Sherlock, the guy that plays Sherlock Holmes, well, he's the producer and the director and one of the writers, so he's always going to be Sherlock Holmes. But it's every every show is a new production, and that took me a while to get wrap my head around that. And I think that might help. The sets are always the same. The lighting's always the same. The special effects, the production value's always the same. But they do rotate actors and some of the other personnel, you know, maybe behind the scenes. And so I think maybe that'll help you. I have watched the majority of them. I, I have kind of. I, I think out of all of them, they're the ones that have found the secret sauce, and it's t- it tastes different. There's no doubt about it. But I think out of all of them, I think they're the ones that have perfected it. From Party One Podcast, Sean Newboy says, "Meh." The new rules make them nothing more than sideshows. When I was a young Trekkie and still kind of understanding where each series fit, right? And I'm like looking it up on the interwebs when it was still in its infancy. Those fan films really threw me off. Like the continues and phase two. Because here were some of the actors, the actual actors doing their cameos or even, you know, new characters or whatnot. And it really confused me as I was like, as I was progressing through. This was before I even started watching Enterprise, before Deep Space Nine. When I really wanted to dive into what the series was, the overarching series, they did throw me for a loop. A, just a Are you bit. talking like the New Voyages, like James Colley? Yeah, New Voyages, Phase, you know, New Voyages Phase Two continues, things like that. Kind of like I was like, wait, I don't get what what's happening, and and. I shouldn't say I was a new, fresh out of the gate Trekkie. I, it was, I had, I think I had already seen things like Voyager, yeah, Deep Space Nine. I started like to, I was like, I, I was itching for more Trek, and the 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 fans, the fan series yeah. did confuse. Yeah, me. and I th- well, I think that had to do with the times too, because the production quality of like New Voyages was pretty high. You know, and your point about amateur actors and stuff like that uh, uh, was well taken, but it did look like. It didn't right. look like it, and so right. I think that was the confusion that ultimately wound up with uh, <coughs> you know, I mean, people got too good at it, and it, it did. It, there was the potential for confusion, and I think again, go back to continues. I think they're the ones to have it kind of nailed. And, mm-hmm. and, and watch. phase two was good too. Phase two was actually very good and, and well. Second place. And, I mean, they're, they're set. Good. The sets yeah, were fantastic yeah. too, but I think as far as everything else, I think phase two comes second place too. From Star Trek Online, Garrick S31, looking forward to Axonar and independent projects like Nobility. Now, I had never heard of Nobility. Uh, when, when I saw this comment, I went and thought, mm, I'm going to go and look it up. Um, 
I'm not sure that it will get made. The the trailer that I saw was from a couple of years ago, but it's worth checking out. You can you can find it on YouTube for if you search for Nobility Star Trek. Um, but in that trailer, you've got Walter Koenig is in there, uh, plays an engineer. I think they're chief engineer or something. Uh, and also Doug Jones is in that trailer as well. So I thought that was uh, quite interesting. So it's worth going and have a look a look at. He's not the only. They're not the only notable sci-fi actors uh, that I noticed in the trailer. The um, the alien from Stargate, big yes. burly yeah, guy, yeah, yeah, uh, Christopher yeah. Christopher Judge. It's interesting to see these actors do these little one-off things yeah. because this is this was definitely kind of low-budget mm-hmm. fan film. Yeah. You know, Walter Kinney plays a drunk engineer. He's like, he's, <laughs> I he's think like, I've uh, seen this trailer. He's like Saul Tai. It's, it's, He's like Saul Tai. I actually got him confused a little bit with Saul Tai. I thought they got the actor to play Saul, who played Saul Tai, mm-hmm. do this guy. But I was like, wait a minute, no, I was like, that's Walter Koenig. He's he's drunk and drinking scotch. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know how I feel about it because it's almost like ref, it's refreshing to see the actors do these things because mm-hmm. you know they're not getting paid a lot to do these. Yeah. yeah, not not what jo- Doug Jones gets paid doing something like Hellboy. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I highly doubt that um, something like Nobility with Doug Jones is going to get made now that he's on Star Trek Discovery. That would be a bit of a stretch. Um, but uh, uh, thank you, Garrick, for turning it up to us. It's not that old though, because it has an IMDb date of 2016. Yeah, the trailer came out in 2015. Uh, there was an Indiegogo campaign that didn't that didn't make an awful lot of money, but that's not to say that it won't still be produced. Um, it, it's one of those ones that's out there, and I'm I'm actually not sure if because it's it's touted as a web series whether it would actually fall within fan film guidelines. Although it also does not well, strictly not Star say Trek, Star Trek, so yeah, um, Star Trek. so yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. So yeah, we also had some really great feedback from our listeners regarding our interview with Doug Drexler and Thomas Maroney. From uh, Twitter, uh, we hear from Karumi, uh, that's S-T-O underscore Morishita. Easily my favorite episode so far, the wealth of info, amazing anecdotes, and fun is just so epic. Thank all of you so very much for this. Uh, Vulcan salute, happy face, big heart with a sparkly on it. And Karumi also sent us a very uh, nice email, again, kind of elaborating on that. Thank you so much. It's, it's, it's great to get that kind of feedback from, from listeners like you uh, who enjoy the work that we do. Again, you know, we don't get paid for this. This is a labor of love. You know, when we ask for things like Patreon uh, for your support, financial support, it's really so that we don't have to pull out of our own pocket to continue to produce the show. Early on, that's what we did. And thankfully, we have... A solid Patreon following where we do that very little now. And so so we want to thank you for that. And we want to thank you for emails like this. Keep them coming. If you can't support us financially, send us emails because this is this is this, this is, is a, a psychic a spiritual payoff. currency yeah. for us. You know, yeah, it's an emotional and psychic payoff for us uh, to know that you guys appreciate the work that we do. So leave us a, send us an email, leave us a comment on Facebook, review us on iTunes. Spread the word about Priority One if you enjoy the show. From Twitter, at STO underscore Shane says, I'm only 35 minutes into the episode, but I hope it's three or four hours long. Well, it nearly was. Um, Anyway, he also says, I could listen to Mr. Drexler all day long. Epic episode. Thank you. Marquise commented on Priority One podcast. I was really missing my P1 fix last week, but boy, did you guys make up for it. Doug Drexler is such a gem. I totally geeked out just listening to him and Thomas Maroney talk ships. 
Besides the stories, it's the ships that spell Trek to me. So thank you so much for this episode. A home run, P1. At Chris Keen, laugh my ass off. Well done, sir. Their likeness is spot on. You know what? I take offense to that. My goatee is a more brownish color. My hair is a little browner. It's not that black. It's not that black. I think he got Kenneth perfect. That was my favorite. <laughs> also, also Chris, Chris totally missed Tony plugging his foundry mission. Oh, when was yeah. the last time I did that? He hasn't. He hasn't done that in a while. Though, the, honestly, when was the last time I did that? What was What was the name of that foundry mission? Overture. See, I didn't even have to say it. I, I've never I'm heard not of even, it. Of course you haven't. I've it's never, been I've never heard of it's it. It's now covered in a fine layer of <laughs> dust. If you want to go play it, you got to like... <laughs> you have to dust it up. It probably won't work with the new lighting system. Uh, uh, so, you know, the, 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 the day and night is an integral part of it. Yeah. No. Well, that wraps up episode 312 of Priority One Podcast. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you leave us a review on iTunes. It helps spread the word about the production and gets new fans coming to our show every week. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 11pm Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, and with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to associate producer, Navy Boat Slew. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, and captains with a capital C. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible with a capital P. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage.
reach out. Is that a song? <laughs> reach out for me. Yes. Yeah. I'll be there. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, that's you. I know. I was just, I was trying to avoid mouth noise. You should understand this. Kenna, the entire show we do is all mouth noise. <laughs> Not that kind of mouth noise. <sighs> but I wouldn't expect you to understand, honey. Ooh. Ooh. Right Tony makes a lot of mouth yeah, noise. He, does. he really, really does. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <sighs> Hang on. You know, you were, you were just all smiles during that, and I really didn't want to interrupt, but you said contribute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it go because it's like. But it was like Ermagerd. Let's contribute. That's that's my. That's that's how we say it in England. Right. <laughs> Spells the U. Now let's track out the latest from the. It's because it says multiverse. Like who says that? Player potential system. No. Back. Exclusion. You didn't like that. <laughs> In like es the diction of escalation. Okay. What? Oh. <laughs> Chips? Chips. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't. Oh, do oh, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. <sighs> Good stuff. <clears throat> Mouth noises. I'm going to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, what? Make sure to turn off your mic. We don't need other. Yeah, don't touch, don't turn your mic on. What's? Jeez, oh, what's happening right now? Uh, it's all downhill from here. Tony, we don't need him for this bait. So no, we don't. We don't need him. He wouldn't say anything anyway. All right, and the oh, I'm. This is Cookie Sync One. This is Jace. Uh, Chase. <laughs> this is Jake Sync Two. Oh, hi, Jace. Your voice has changed. <laughs> You sound like a prepubescent girl. Have you had dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. Oh, where's that bag? Get that bag. Oh, we need that. The oh, yeah. the, all those ice. <laughs> that can be the bag of ice. And then my purse should be right there. Is it? Okay. You said it kind of like. Oh, you're so stupid. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> No, almost, almost like you, like you're talking to a child. That's not going to help you. That's made of water, frozen water. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I need to blow my nose. <laughs> Go blow your nose. We can wait. Okay. Should I mute this? You're not going to put this in anywhere, right? No. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. No. Of course not. It's going in. No. Some people really don't like that noise. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like little... Uh, it's... Why do I always have trouble saying this? <laughs> it's like these little things you... you. <laughs> <laughs> the Captain Kirk beanbag chair. Let me tell you about it. Okay. <laughs> According to Thinky Yeah, but it's a it's empty. It's an empty <laughs> sack is what you're getting. You're ordering an empty sack. Mm. <laughs> Swiftly moving on. Exclusive seller of this product. The care instructor. Sorry. It's okay. What, what did I say right before I said? So there you have it. I don't remember. You should change it. Don't waste your money <laughs> on this beanbag chair cover. That should be the so there you have it. Come on. 
It's ridiculous. It is. I would expensive. be very surprised if I ever met anybody that had that. I would look at them like, "What? You have bad judgment." That's what no, I would. I would think I, in my head. I would give them a hug. <laughs> Say, "Teach me, teach me your Teach ways. me how to make money yeah. so that I can just waste it on these. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I'm on a tangent. This is Elijah. Feedback. Sync one. This is Kenna. Feedback. Sync two. This is Tony. Feedback. Sync three. Hi, this is Chris Keen. Feedback, sync full. Alrighty, feedback in three, two. Well, captains with a capital C, because I don't know why Kenna always has captains with a lowercase, lowercase C. I didn't it's do that. Pronoun. I did not do that. It's I did pronoun. not do that. That's Jake. That's Jake. No, because hey, it was like Jake. that in Stone News. Hey, Jake. And I had to fix it in Stone News. What? So don't try to throw. You guys Actually, gotta technically stop speaking, trying to th- it should not be capitalized because. Yes, it's pronouns. I'm using it to address. Everybody else is rank, and every, if everybody's a rank is captain, it's a pronoun. It's like president with a I don't, capital I, P. Okay, I disagree with that. We're going to get, if anybody My, my eyebrows are going up through my, I don't think yeah, that's right. If, yeah, if, if, if anybody out there is like a grammar expert, please write in to us, incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. In fact, don't actually, don't do that. Just, just write directly to me, okay? And... It, it's a title. It's a title. It's a rank and title of something. I'm not. It, so it's, ah, it's, but sometimes it's it's sometimes it's a rank. Sometimes it's a position because we've had this before. Can we talk can about Harry Mudd again? And captain. No, you can be the rank of a fleet admiral and still be a captain on your ship. Same as you can be a lieutenant and right, you can still be a captain of your again, ship because it, captain still be a, because it's, captain it's is a job just, and a rank. We are not uh-huh, captains. Exactly. I'm a fleet admiral, All but right, I'm a captain so of my ship. You, so both captain and fleet admirals, if I wanted to say fleet admirals, yeah. then, I, yeah. then I would capitalize the F and the A. True, but if you were t- if you were discussing people who captain starships, it would be lowercase c. So are you right, referring to a- the group? Are you are you saying that we all have our own starships and you want to yes. talk to us? Yes. Okay. Yes. You all have your own starships. In which case... You are all captains. Yes, in which case you've talked yourself out and it should be lowercase c because no, you're talking captain. No, it should not. Because no, because it, you're talking captain's position. Not as a rank. <laughs> this is what always happens. Towards you. <laughs> well, captains, this is the part of the show where... <laughs> well... Captains, this is the part. Man, we've been recording through all of that. <laughs> I know. About two minutes yeah. thirty. About two minutes thirty. Come on. This is Elijah. Closing. Finally. Captains with a capital C. Sync one. This is Kenna. Closing with a lowercase c. To match captains with a lowercase c. Sync two. Este es Antonio. La closing con el capital C. Cinco tres. <laughs> this is Winters with really bad grammar. Sync four. Closing in three. Did you like that with the Cinco Trace? Did you like that? Cinco Trace. Five, oh, three. yeah. <laughs> Aren't you sad it's over?